Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. As we continue our series in the letter to the Galatians, we've entitled the series Fresh Faith. Fresh Faith. And this morning's message is entitled A New Creation. A New Creation. So here's the question I have for you How do you relate to God? Let me ask it another way. How can you be made right with God? Why do I ask it that way? Because if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has convicted you and convinced you that there's a problem between you and God. And if you're not a Christian, again, thank you for coming this morning, but the Bible teaches us that there is in fact a problem between mankind that has fallen because of original sin at the garden through Adam, our father, who chose to rebel against God. And that sin is imputed to all humans all the way down through the ages. So there's a problem between us and God. But but here's the question. How can things be made right between you and God? But actually, there's there's a bigger aspect to that question. How can things be made right, period? If you are breathing and in your right mind... You understand that things are not right. Just get out on the Palmetto tomorrow morning at 7.30. It's just not right. You know that there are terrible things that happen in this world. You know that we do not live in an idyllic world. Things are not right. Things need to be made right. Every human being knows that. We believe as Christians that at the core of this question of, can things be made right? Can we live in paradise, so to speak? Can we finally be at peace? At the core of that question is man's relationship with God. So that is the theme of this letter. That is the theme of our message this morning. It's the question that God answers. How can we be made right with God? How can all things be made right? What really counts when it comes to how we relate to God? So let's read the answer, shall we? Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world." For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So did you catch the answer? How do I relate to God? How can things be made right between me and God? What really counts in this question? How can things be made right? And the answer is a new creation. 
The answer is a new creation. We cannot simply remodel the old. We must knock it down and rebuild or build the new. That's the answer. The temptation for these Galatian Christians and the temptation for us at times is if we could just add something to the mix, if we could just put an extra room on the house, maybe just sort of knock down a wall here and make the kitchen a little bigger, then then all things will be right between us and God. And what God is saying to us in this text is, no, that house has to be knocked down. It has to be made new. The way that Paul said it, And Corey preached three weeks ago in Galatians 5, 6 is this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through Christ. The way Paul says it this week and what I'm going to preach in Galatians 6, 15 is for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. It's the same thing. How can I be made right with God? How can things be made right? Can I add something for the Galatians? It was circumcision, keeping the Jewish law, adding something to the house. And what God is saying, no, not your works will make things right between you and God. No, not our works will make things right in general with all of fallen creation, but only a new creation that is forged at the cross of Christ by faith in Jesus Christ. And that, in fact, is the main point of this text. All that counts, all that counts is the new creation forged at the cross of Christ. All that counts is the new creation forged at the cross of Christ. I'm here to tell you this by the authority of the word of God. All things will be made right, friend. But they're not going to be made right by your self-effort. They will be made right through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now the world says that's foolishness. Back in their day, the Galatians said, oh no, I've got to add something to Jesus. I've got to add something to my faith in Christ. I've got to add good works. In their case, it was circumcision. For us today, we might think we have to add something. We've got to add that extra room. And God is saying, no, listen, all things are going to be made right through the cross of Jesus Christ. We're going to explore what that means. Because at that cross, is the new creation is forged By Christ's death, it's assured by Christ's resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the Holy Spirit that is poured out upon us to give us the the assurance of this new creation. I want to encourage you something here. You, if you're a Christian, are a new creation in Christ. And I know sometimes you may not believe that. You may not even act like that. But I'm telling you, it is true. That's your only hope. And I want you to enjoy that truth, no matter where you're at right now. There's hope. All things are being made right because of the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at that, point one. Forged 
at the cross, forged at the cross. The cross is central to this text. Three times in these last eight verses, Paul mentions the cross. I want you to see Paul in these verses as an attorney, a defense attorney, who's standing up to make his final argument that you're in the jury. The Galatians are in the jury. Paul is preaching for a verdict. He's saying this, listen, Are you going to be made right or is everything going to be made right by your works, by adding circumcision, fill in the blank, whatever you want to add to it? Or are you going to be made right? Are all things going to be made right because of Christ's work at the cross? And he's preaching for a verdict. And, you know, we need that preaching. We need that attorney to make the case to us. Because when we look at our lives, sometimes we think this will never be made right. My fill in the blank will never be made right. I've blown it again. This world is so messed up. It cannot be made right. I'm despairing. And I'm here to tell you, God's here to tell you that it it is made right by the cross and only at the cross. See, Paul is, is really going after a bunch of people in Galatia who are telling these Gentile Galatians that faith in Christ isn't enough. You have to add circumcision. And Paul is saying this, he's calling him out. Look at verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. That's the thing they were trying to add. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Here's Paul's message to them. Here's Paul's message to you and me. Either you are made right with God by Christ's work forged at the cross or you're made right with God by your own superficial works. It's either or. This work at the cross is received by faith. And the functional test for which one we are embracing at any given moment of our life is in what or in whom do we boast? Am I boasting in the flesh? Look at verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in what? In your flesh. So I'm either boasting in the flesh. That's just another way of saying I'm boasting in what I can do. I'm boasting that I used to hit the clubs 22 years ago and I used to get drunk every night and I used to spend my money in stupid places. But you know what? I no longer do that. So today I'm boasting in the fact that I no longer go to the clubs. I attend church. I attend community group. I give of my money. I'm not saying that we out and out do that, but subtly, I could put my faith that I'm right with God based on what I do. That I'm adding to the gospel what I do. Maybe it's not circumcision, but it's some good work. It's something. What I boast in. What do I think about the most? Here's another way to think of it. Turn that one on its head. What do I get most discouraged by when I fail? So if when I sin, my faith gets totally ejected and I don't come to church for three months because I'm not worthy or I experience this sort of shame that's so inward focused, then what that can tell me is that I've been actually boasting in the cross or excuse me, in my flesh and my works and not even knowing it. It's like when I hurt my arm or a bruise appears or my knee starts hurting, it tells me, hey, something's wrong in here. 
When that happens, it tells me in my soul, something's wrong in here. I am, I am boasting in something other than the cross. Notice the contrast, verse 14. Where does Paul boast? Where do you boast? But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Either you boast in your own works or you boast in the cross. When you boast in the cross, friend, you rejoice in your deliverance from this world and your freedom from the law or works by which you would be made right with God. You are boasting and rejoicing daily in the fact that you are made right with God by Christ Jesus. You're boasting in the fact that you're no longer a slave of sin and death, but you boast in the cross because that's where you find your deliverance. Tom Schreiner, in his commentary on this text, says the following on the screen. Those who boast in the cross... Understand that the law does not bring righteousness. The cross kills the old person, knocks the house down, and introduces a new reality, a new house. The curse of the law has been removed by Christ taking the curse on himself. That's what we celebrated in communion. And hence, those who boast in the cross rejoice in their deliverance from the elements of the world and their freedom from the law. That's what it means in verse 14. Look at it with me again. By which, second part of that verse, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does that mean? Well, at its core, it means that I no longer relate to God based on what I can do, my abilities, In their case, circumcision. In our case, good works. It means that the world is dead to me. That system is dead to me. Every religion that has ever been devised has been devised out of man's attempt to make things right. Now, they're all devised in error Because man, apart from God's sovereign grace, does not understand what the root problem is. But every religion, everything that has been devised in this area has been devised to bring salvation. To bring something better. Whether it's Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism. Whatever the major religions are, they're devised to try to figure this thing out. How can I make things right That is the world system. It's a system of works. It's a bondage. You can never do enough. Some people it's politics. Some people it's finances. Some people it's whatever. But we're all desperately in this race to try to make things right. We know intuitively. There's something in us because we're made in the image of God that knows things are not right. How do I make them right? And what God is saying here is that only at the cross are things made right. And the cross, by the cross, the world is crucified to me and I'm crucified to the world. Now, that's hard to wrap your head around. I get that, okay? It's a little difficult to kind of drop into and understand fully. So let's drop into some specifics. I think what it means is because you are crushed with Christ at the cross, you are crucified with Christ at the cross, the things of this world can no longer crush you. 
The, the, the reversals of this world can no longer crush you. You don't get your identity by what you do. So when you don't get what you want, when you fail, when you don't get accepted to that school, when your business fails, when things don't go the way you want them to go, when you realize your mortality and you're frustrated, you're not crushed by that. Yes, you're saddened by it, but you're not crushed by it because you're crucified to the world and the world is crucified to you and you stand in the shadow of the cross and say, but I am right with God because of what Christ did on the cross. It means that you're no longer enticed by the worldly, empty offers. At the cross, you're made new. You had this new creation. What does that mean? Let's get practical. It means it transforms you from your greed to generosity. We learned last week, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? It means to be generous. Who is generous apart from God's transforming work? Who gives a tenth of their income to the church? Who gives liberally to their friend expecting nothing in return? Who even gives to their enemy because Christ gave to us when we were his enemies, but someone transformed at the cross? You can't add a spare room that'll do that to your house. You got to knock the house down and have a new house. Christ cleanses our impurity our lust, it makes it pure. Christ at the cross in this new creation turns our envy where we're competing with each other to love, where we're serving one another. This is what Corey preached three weeks ago, what true freedom is. You're no longer defined by the cross or by by the world. You're defined by the cross. You know what you see when it says that the world is crucified to me? Through the cross, I see the world for what it is, a dying corpse hanging there, crucified to you. Turn the tables on it. Hey, the world thinks little of you and me, fine. We think even less of the world. Not in the sense that we don't love the world, but we're not craving their approval. We're free from the pathetic idols of craving the world's approval and its empty delights and running round and round and knowing that they will never satisfy. I can't drink enough. I can't make enough money. I can't have enough pleasures to make things right. You can't vote in the exact perfect political party. Lord knows we're aware of that. There's no thousand year reign of peace in the man-made world. World wars continue. Terrorism continues. Stock markets crash. Businesses go down. Just about the time you got it all together, someone comes by and knocks it down. What do you do at that moment? You you trust that you're crucified to the world and the world's crucified to you. Your well-being is based on what Christ did on the cross in his resurrection, not on what you can do. So you're not crushed when things fall apart. Christianity, friend, is about a new creation. So let's talk about that new creation. Point two, the new creation. As we look at the book of Galatians, we see this final verse is bracketed or like a bookend with one of the first verses on the screen, Galatians 1, 4. Speaking of Christ. 
who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. What was the will of God and Father? For Jesus to give himself on the cross, it's God's will for him to suffer on the cross. Jesus begged the Father and said, Lord, if it be your will, if there's any way we can avoid the cross, can we just not go that route? And then he quickly said, not my will, but your will. And he willingly went to the cross. Praise God, he obeyed in the garden where we disobeyed in the garden through Adam, our father. And when that happened, friend, what does it say according to Galatians 1.4? We are delivered from this present evil age. The world is crucified to me. I'm crucified to the world. My identity is not in what the world thinks or says. I'm not hoping in what I can do. I am trusting in what Christ has done. He delivers me from this present evil age. And then look at the verse that we are preaching this morning. This bookend, these two bookends in the, in the letter to the Galatians. At the end, we see Galatians 6.15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Christ's death on the cross delivers us from this present evil age into his new creation. Oh, friends, listen, you are a new creation. Believe it. When you look in the mirror of God's word, see the new creation you are in Christ. I tell you that on the authority of God's word. It says it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the apostle Paul writing to another group of Christians says the following on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. We bulldoze that old house. The new has come. Jesus built the new house. Praise God. I get so weary trying to remodel the old house and it never works. I put that addition in, you know, and then the first big rainfall, it leaks right through the, you know, the, the, where the new addition kind of, you know, is on the old. And I think, ah, rewired wired the electricity wrong when I turn on the lights, you know, I see explosions, uh, you know. Are you there? But God's, he's made you a new creation and his construction, my friend, is perfect. There's no skimping on materials because Jesus Christ's blood is precious and the builder is a master builder and the foundation will never crack. It's Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. I live in a house I did not build and I do not deserve. Thank God for that house. It will endure. It will endure. But I've got some good news for you. It's bigger than your personal new creation. It's the new creation of the heavens and the earth. Don't you get it? At the beginning of time, when Adam sinned, it not only affected mankind so that we were corrupted, it affected all of creation. Hello, hurricanes. Don't want to bring back any memories. We're coming up on September 10th, the one-year anniversary of beautiful Irma. Yes, let's not even talk about that. Or earthquakes, or fires in California. The creation itself got messed up. Things aren't right. There are floods. There are droughts. Who's going to make that right? God makes it right. And he did it at the cross. That takes this thing from, yes, it's not less than the personal recreation of every elect believer in Christ. But at the cross, all of creation is made new. That's the promise. That's what Peter says in 2 Peter 3.13. 2 Peter 3.13. But according to his promise, 
We are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's just another way of saying all things will be right. Buses will be on time. Whatever it is that's not right in your little world right now, we'll be right. No more frustration. No more getting ripped off. No more failure. That's my hope. Am I going to bring that? Are you going to bring that? God brought that at the cross where he made all things new. The resurrection of Christ, which secures it. The ascension of Christ, and he pours out the spirit, and we have the promise of this. All things will be made right by the new creation forged at the cross and received by faith. And I love the way Paul ends this letter, and I pray this for you. May you receive mercy and peace as you live your life according to this new creation by faith. Look at verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, that's another way of saying for all who believe the gospel, that's another way of saying who all who keep step with the Holy Spirit, that's another way of saying by all who live by faith alone and Christ alone, by all who believe and live by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Friend, as you live by this rule, may peace and mercy be in your home with your children and your grandchildren, with your spouse. May peace and mercy be in your career. May peace and mercy be in your schooling as you go to school tomorrow or as you continue homeschooling. May peace and mercy be at your job. May peace and mercy, may you know peace and mercy based upon Christ's work on the cross. I I bless you with that because God blesses you with that right where you're at today. We're assured of this because of Christ's death on the cross. We're assured of this by Christ's resurrection from the dead. And we're assured of this as we say to the Lord, Lord, what identifies me, the mark that identifies me is the cross of Christ. So Paul says in verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Christ. You know what Paul is saying here? What identifies you Dear Galatians, is not the mark of circumcision, but the mark of the cross. What identifies you, dear Christian, is not the mark of whatever you can do, but the cross of Jesus Christ. When Paul says, I bear, I bear the marks of Christ, you know what he's doing here? He's bringing us right back to Jesus' words. Luke 14, 27 on the screen. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See, Paul glories in the very mark of the cross for which he is suffering. He has been beaten because he has preached the cross. He has been pursued and run out of cities by those who would teach that you had to add something to the cross. He bears the marks of the cross, but he does it because he realizes that at the cross, at the cross, Christ's righteousness is imputed to him. At the cross, his sins are forgiven. At the cross, he's delivered from death. At the cross, he has the assurance of a new creation where he will live forever and ever in glory, the glory of Christ. So he says, I bear that mark. Oh, the wonderful cross. The wonderful cross. All who gather here by grace draw near and bless his name. See, church, that's what unites us this morning. 
It is not what we can do. It is what Christ has done. It is the new creation. Yes, I come from Cuban heritage. Both my parents came from Cuba. Yes, I am a Cuban-American or American-Cuban, whatever. Yes, I'm male. Yes, I went to college. Yes, I studied this. All those things are true. That's part of who I am. But my identity is that I'm a new creation in Christ. And listen, dear fellow Christian, your identity is you're a new creation in Christ and we're of the same family. We have the same hope. See you in heaven. Not sure what we'll be doing exactly. I'm hoping that I'm harvesting fish out of the sea. I have a nice little home right right on the edge of the water. No tsunamis, no hurricanes to worry about. I'm wearing shorts, flip-flops, and a tank top. (laughs) Every day, I'm working hard for my Lord forever and ever and ever. And you'll come by and whatever you're doing, Selling churros, I don't know. There'll be churros in heaven, I believe that. You won't get fat from them. But you're my brother in Christ. You see, that's what Paul says at the end here. Look at verse 18. He's writing to a bunch of Gentiles. Listen to what he says then. Paul being a Jew. And as for all who walk by this rule, excuse me, verse 18. For the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, comma, what's that next word? Brothers. See what Paul is saying to them? You are a son, a daughter of Abraham. You're part of God's family, the Israel of God. Not because you're a Jew, not because you get circumcised, but because the mark on your life is the cross of Christ. You've been made new. And you're now my brother, you're my sister. We finally have a family. Forever family. All things are made right. The orphan has a home. The wicked's been made righteous. God is glorified. And that's good news, church. That is our hope. That is our prayer. And that is the appeal. Here it is. If Paul were here preaching for a verdict, you're in the jury. Will you believe him that you cannot add anything to this? Will you believe him that you are made right with God by faith alone, in Christ alone, by the new creation that has been forged at the cross that you receive by faith? Will you also rejoice in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, no matter how difficult your life is today? Will you boast in the cross? Live by faith, not by what you can see in your marriage or your parenting or your business or this culture or this whatever fill in the blank but by what you see by faith in Christ and will you find your identity in him primarily and will you care for your brothers and sisters in Christ we we dare not forget last week's sermon this was written right after that text what does it mean to walk in the new creation it means to care for one another it's so simple It means I now give generously instead of hoarding greedily. It means I love you with with total love, not envy you and jealous of you and try to run you down. It means I live in purity, not in the awful bondage of impurity. And when we fail, we remember our identities in Christ. We haven't yet fully experienced it, but oh, it is promised. We have it today, all of it. As sure as Christ, Jesus, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Do you understand that? It's all yours today by faith. And it's being lived into as we live. But it's assured. 
That's what it means to live in the new creation. Let me pray for you. and Worship team, would you join me here up front? Father, I pray that we would be defined by the cross and your work, Jesus, there. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would, we would rejoice in the cross. We would say, oh, the wonderful cross. That cross where you, Jesus, died. That cross where I would count my richest gain but loss. That cross where I would pour contempt on all my pride. Lord Jesus, would you reveal to us the grace. Lord, right now I pray that you would pour mercy and grace on those that are are condemned, those Christians. May they see you, Jesus. Lord, would you give peace to those that are in turmoil? They feel like they're in a, a small boat in the midst of the Atlantic as Hurricane Irma is blowing by. They are desperate right now. Would you speak peace to them, Jesus, that you endured that storm on the cross. You were crushed for their sins. Therefore, you would not allow them to be crushed by their circumstances today. Lord, build your church as we boast in the cross. Oh, that wonderful cross. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand.